Let me pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> All right, well, we're there in uh, Numbers chapter number 7. And, uh, of course, we, we've actually been going through a sermon series uh, called Wilderness Wanderings, and we are trying to make our way through the book of Numbers. It's been quite a while since we've actually been in the book of Numbers because uh, we took several weeks off, of course. We were announcing the building, and then we went and showed you the building, uh, and then we had the Red Hot Preaching Conference, and we've had uh, several things that have uh, just kind of taken up uh, several weeks. So we have, actually haven't been in the book of Numbers in a while, but we've been uh, studying the book of Numbers together. And uh, tonight we find ourselves in Numbers chapter number 7. And let me just kind of, by way of introduction, give you some thoughts regarding this, this chapter, some things that you uh, may or may not have noticed. Uh, but this chapter is actually considered the second um, by some and the third by others uh, longest chapter in the Bible. And uh, you probably noticed that as we <laughs> were reading through the chapter. Uh, but of course, most everyone agrees that uh, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. Uh, but many people consider this the second uh, longest chapter in the Bible. Some people consider it the third longest chapter in the Bible. And the reason for that is it depends who you ask and, and how they're, it, it, you know, some people do it by number of words, some people do it by number of verses and things like that. But suffice it to say, it's a pretty long chapter. It's one of the longest chapters in the Bible. And this chapter uh, is one of the, uh, when, when I look at a chapter like this, Numbers chapter 7, this is the type of chapter that keeps pastors from wanting to preach through the entire Bible, you know? It's the kind of chapter that keeps people from wanting to preach through every chapter of the Bible. But we have a goal at Verity Baptist Church to, pre to preach through the entire Bible, and uh, so we're not going to ignore uh, Numbers chapter 7. In fact, uh, this is the kind of chapter that would usually be ignored and that wouldn't be preached through. But let me just read to you. I know you're familiar with these verses, but let me just remind you of this. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, the Bible says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And the Bible teaches that all Scripture is profitable. And um, this chapter is profitable as well. And I'm going to uh, teach you some things from this chapter, and hopefully it'll be a help for you. I want you to notice that this chapter is all about the princes of the 12 tribes of Israel uh, making an offering unto the Lord. You'll notice there in Numbers chapter 7 and verse 1, the Bible says, And it came to pass on the day that Moses had fully set up the tabernacle. Because if you remember, we're still, and for the next, for the, for the first like 10 chapters in the book of Numbers, we're, we're in these early days of the children of Israel being in the wilderness, and they just got done setting up the tabernacle. Here the Bible says, And it came to pass on the day that Moses had fully set up the tabernacle and had anointed it and sanctified it and all the instruments thereof, both the altars and the vessels thereof, and had anointed them and sanctified them. Verse 2, that the princes of Israel's heads of the house of their fathers, who were the princes of the tribes and were over them um, that were numbered, offered. And if you remember as we've been going through the book of Numbers, we've seen these 12 guys, these 12 princes that have been chosen to be the heads of the tribes, of the 12 tribes. We've seen a lot of different things happening with these tribes. And what's happening now is they just got done building the tabernacle. They just got done furnishing it and getting it all ready. And now what is happening is that each 
prince of the tribe is bringing an offering unto the Lord. Each one is bringing an offering from the tribe as the representative. And of course, what we see here is financial giving. And I'm not really preaching on financial giving tonight, but I do want you to notice a couple of things here uh, that I just think are interesting. I want you to notice in verses 3 through 5, we see the offering as received uh, at the will of the people. The people have chosen to do this. Numbers chapter 7 and verse 3 says this, and they brought their offering before the Lord. Six covered wagons and 12 oxen, a wagon for two of the princes and for each one an ox. And they brought them before the tabernacle. And the Lord spake unto Moses saying, take it from them that they may, uh, that they may, uh, excuse me, that they may be to do the service of the tabernacle of the congregation, and thou shalt give them unto the Levites, every man, according to his service. And I want you to notice there that they brought these offerings for the house of the Lord, which the tabernacle was the house of God at this time. And then God told Moses, take it from them that they may be to do the service of the tabernacle. We see the purpose of giving. And one of the purposes of giving, obviously, when we give, and today as New Testament believers, the Bible says that the church is the house of the living God. And uh, when we bring our offerings unto the Lord, we bring it to the Lord, we bring it to the house of God, but it is used for the service of the house of God, that they may be to do the service of the tabernacle. Now, what's interesting is that in verse 6, it talks about the distribution. So they bring they bring the, uh, the offerings, right? Six covered wagons. They bring six because it's one wagon for every two tribes. So there's 12 tribes. They bring six covered wagons, 12 oxen, a wagon for two of the princes, and for each one an ox. They give it unto Moses. Moses gives it unto the Levites. Last part of verse 5, give them unto the Levites. And then in verse 6, we see the distribution. Uh, and we notice that the offering is distributed at the will of the leader. The offering is received at the will of the people. They bring it. They brought their offering before the Lord. And then the offering is distributed to the will of the leader. Notice verse 6. And Moses, he's the spiritual leader. He's the pastor of this congregation in the wilderness. And Moses took the wagons. Remember, six total uh, wagons, one for uh, every two tribes. And the oxen, 12 total oxen, one for each tribe, and gave them unto the Levites. And now, if you remember from when we've been in the book of Numbers, if you remember, the tribe of Levi is made up of three different families. You have the sons of Gershon, you have the sons of Merari, and you have the sons of Kohath. These are three families that make up the, the tribe of Levi. So Moses is taking these offerings, and he's going to give it unto these uh, three families. But I want you to notice how it's distributed. Look at verse uh, 7. He says, two wagons. Now, there were six wagons, and he gives two wagons uh, and four oxen he gave unto the sons of Gershon according to their service. Now, we would expect that, right? Because there's uh, six wagons, and there's 12 oxen, and there's three families. So we would expect that he's going to give two wagons to one family, four oxen to one family, because that's one-third of what has been given. But notice in verse 8, then the Bible says, and four wagons. So he gives two of the six to the sons of Gershon. And then in verse 8, we're told that he gives four of the six and eight oxen, eight of the 12 oxen he gave unto the sons of Merari 
according unto their service under the hand of Ithamar, the son of Aaron, the priest. And then notice, because remember, there's three families. Look at verse 9. But unto the sons of Kohath, he gave none. He didn't give them any wagons, zero out of the six. He didn't give them any oxen. And you say, why? Notice what he says. Because the service of the sanctuary belonging unto them was that they should bear upon their shoulders. And if you remember, we actually talked about that this morning, how the Levites were supposed to bear the ark on their shoulders. So I want you to notice, even though uh, six wagons were given, 12 oxen were given, when Moses had it, he distributed it, the Bible says, uh, according to their service, according unto their service, based off what they needed. So he said, well, this tribe, they, they just need uh, two wagons, but this other tribe, they need four wagons, and this third tribe, they don't need any wagons. He said, this tribe needs, uh, excuse me, this family needs four oxen, this family, based off the work that they were doing, they need eight oxen. But this other family, they don't need anything. Because remember, they had different jobs. They were to carry different things. And it's just interesting to me, you know, the Bible, if you dig into it long enough, you'll find that it teaches you everything that you need to know about everything. And, and, and again, this is not really a big deal. But it's just interesting to me that they gave willingly. But once it was given, the leader decided on the distribution of how it should be distributed. And he didn't just give it out equally, one to each, you know, divided by three to the three different families. He looked at what they need and he said, these guys need two, these guys need four, these guys don't need any based off the work that they were doing. And it just kind of reminds me, and you may have never noticed this um, in, 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 in our offering envelopes, but I've got one of our offering envelopes here. And at the bottom of our offering envelope, we have this note that says, we appreciate your faithful giving. All gifts are given with the understanding that Verity Baptist Church reserves the right to redirect funds as needed. And I, I actually think I want to add, you know, Numbers chapter 7 uh, to that note. Because, you know, people, and, and look, God bless you, and, and, we, and we do try to follow whatever people do on here. But people are silly. Like, you should, some of the donations we get are, you know, they're just kind of funny. I mean, literally, like, someone will give one dollar. And they just have this big note like, I'd like 33 cents to go to the building fund, 33 cents to go to the staff, 33 cents to go to missions, and I'd like you to cast a lot for the Lord's will for the remaining cent. And it's like, come on, really? You know, and, and, but, but here we see that they gave it, and then Moses just said, here's how we're going to use it. And, you know, when it comes to giving, we should have this attitude. And I often tell people this. Obviously, we are transparent with our finances here, and we do a good job with our finances and accounting. But, you know, I always tell people, you should trust the church you go to enough to just give and, and trust them and not worry about. You know, if I, if, I was, if, I was, if I went to a church where I was worried about how the pastor was spending the money, I would find another church. You know, and then some people just have this idea like like they have to look, just give and realize that uh, you're giving to the work of God. And, you know, as far as our church is concerned, obviously, we put the offerings in the bulletin. We've got all our accounting in order and all those things. And and, you know, I mean, if you need some, if you need some some proof that Verity Baptist Church is being run well, consider the fact that we raised almost a million dollars uh, in seven years. And, and that's why we still had the Red Hot Preaching Conference, while we had the Youth Rally, while we had Family Friend Day, while we had Ladies Tea, while we had every event. And by the way, while we gave away 100000 also. 
So if you, if you need any proof that things are being ran well financially here, you know, that should be enough proof. But you know, you shouldn't have to need any proof because if you're part of a church, you should just give unto the Lord and let the leadership and trust the leadership enough to distribute it as needed. So anyway, I just thought that was interesting. I'm not even really preaching about finances tonight. Well, I am preaching about giving, but I'm preaching more about giving of yourself. Uh, and of course, whenever you give of yourself, you will also give uh, financially. Notice here in uh, verse 10. Look at, look at verse 10, number 7 and verse 10. And the princes offered for the dedicating of the altar in the day that it was anointed. Even the princes offered their offerings before the altar. And the Lord said unto Moses, They shall offer their offerings, each prince, on his day for the dedicating of the altar. And what we see in this chapter and, and we just read the whole thing. So you may have noticed this, but some of you probably zoned out and, and maybe you didn't notice it. But what we see in this chapter is we have 12 days where the 12 tribes of Israel, the princes of the 12 tribes, over a period of 12 days, bring these sacrifices unto the Lord. There were 12 days of giving uh, from the 12 tribes. I've actually entitled the sermon, The 12 Days of Giving, and uh, and, and, and the reason that this chapter is so long is because every tribe gave exactly the same thing. Every tribe gives the exact same thing on the day that was appointed unto them, which is why this chapter is so long, because it just repeats itself over and over. It changes the names of the princes and the names of the tribes, but every day they're bringing the exact same thing. And uh, tonight I want to highlight for you some different applications uh, for several of these as we go through it. And, and we're not going to go through each one uh, because, like I said, all 12 of them are pretty much exactly the same. But I'm going to point out some principles regarding giving uh, from this uh, chapter. And maybe you can just write these down. I've got three thoughts for you tonight, and I'd like for you to jot them down. But I just think it's interesting. You know, it's these 12, when I was studying this, it reminded me of like the 12 days of Christmas, you know. And I, I just imagined God was up in heaven, and he's just like, on the first day of the sanctuary, my Hebrews gave to me, you know, 12 golden spoons. I mean, it's literally what, they're just every day, they're bringing these uh, sacrifices for 12 consecutive days of 12 tribes, and they're bringing these different things, and they all bring the same thing. In fact, let's just look at the first day, just so you can kind of see. Numbers chapter 7 and verse 12. And he that offered his, his offering the first day, was Nashon, the son of Aminadab, of the tribe of Judah. And his offering was one silver charger. The weight thereof was 130 shekels. One silver bowl. You know, maybe it'll help you just stay in tune if you just, you know, one silver bowl, right, of 70 shekels. After the shekels of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mingled with oil uh, for a meat offering. One spoon of 10 shekels of gold full of incense. One young bullock. One ram, one lamb of the first year for a burnt offering, one kid of the goat for a sin offering, and for a sacrifice, a peace offering, two oxen, five ram, five he goats, five lambs of the first year. This was the offering of Nashon, the son of Aminadab. And again, they all pretty much, they all bring the exact same thing. They bring the exact same thing in the exact same order. Uh, uh, um, order. One silver charger, one silver bowl, uh, fine flour with oil, and, and they bring it for the different offerings, the meat offerings, uh, for the sin offerings, for the peace offerings, for the burnt offerings. They uh, bring these different sacrifices unto the Lord. And again, we could go through each one, and you'll see that they bring the same thing, 12 different days, 12 different tribes. So let me give you three thoughts 
regarding giving. And again, I'm not preaching necessarily on giving of financially, although you can definitely apply that. But I want to apply this more as giving of yourself and, and principles for giving that we can learn from this chapter. And maybe you can jot these down. Number one, the first thing that I want you to notice is that we see the giving principle of quantity. The giving principle of quantity. And if you're writing notes, then maybe you can write that word down, quantity. And let me just give you a couple of words to, to help define that. When we talk about the giving principle of quantity, what I want you to remember is these two, these two words, is everyone and every day. When it comes to giving to God, what we see from this chapter is that God is interested in the quantity that is being given to him. And though we are given all sorts of measurements and, uh, and, and, and a description of things that were brought to him, what I want you to notice and what is emphasized over and over in this chapter is that everyone was to bring him a sacrifice, and it was to be done every day, everyone and every day, every one of the tribes, and there was a day for each one of the tribes. Let's just look at it real quickly. Notice Numbers chapter 7 and verse 12, we have the first day of Christmas. And he that offered his offering, the first day was Nashon, the son of Aminadab, notice, of the tribe of Judah. In verse 18, we see, on the second day, Nathanael, the son of Zuar, prince of Issachar, did offer. Notice verse 24. On the third day, Eliab, the son of Helab, prince of the children of Zebulon, did offer. So I want you to notice, day one is the tribe of Judah. Nashon, representing the tribe of Judah. Day two, Nathanael, representing the tribe of Issachar. Day three, Eliab, representing the tribe of Zebulun. Look at verse 30. On the fourth day, Elizer, the son of Sheduer, prince of the children of Reuben, did offer. So Elizer, representing the tribe of Reuben. Uh, verse 36, day 5. On the fifth day, Shelumiel, the son of uh, Zerushadai, prince of the children of Simeon, did offer. Notice verse 42. On the sixth day, Elisaph, the son of Deuel, prince of the children of Gad, Offered. Notice verse 48. On the seventh day, Elishama, the son of Amihud, prince of the children of Ephraim, offered. Notice verse 54. On the eighth, eighth day, offered Gamaliel, the son of Padalhur, prince of the children of Manasseh. Notice verse 60. On the ninth day, Abidan, the son of Gedeoni, prince of the children of Benjamin, offered. Notice verse 66. On the tenth day, Ahizer, the son of Amishadai, prince of the children of Dan, offered. Notice verse 72. On the eleventh day, Pagiel, the son of Akron, prince of the children of Asher, offered. Notice verse 78. On the twelfth day, Ahira, the son of Eden, prince of the children of Naphtali, offered. And again, the emphasis is this, that everyone was involved and everyone had a day. It was everyone and it was every day. And what we can learn from this is that when it comes to giving, giving of ourselves to the Lord, we should remember that God expects for everyone to give of themselves to God, and he expects for it to be done every day. Everyone and every day. Now, let's just run a couple of verses just to highlight this for you. Keep your place there in Numbers chapter 7. Go to the book of Joshua, if you would, Joshua chapter 7. If you're there in Numbers, if you go past the book of Deuteronomy, then you'll have the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7 and verse 3. See, when it comes to giving of ourselves to God, God is not just interested in just a few people giving of themselves. 
And people sometimes get this idea, especially in a church. They think like, well, the pastor's supposed to give himself completely to God. The pastor's wife, the staff, you know, whatever. Certain individuals and certain leaders. But the truth is this, that God wants everyone. God wants everyone involved. God wants everyone to give of themselves every day unto him. Joshua chapter 7 reminds me of this story. If you remember the children of Israel in the book of Joshua, they've crossed over the Jordan River. They're in the promised land. They've had a victory in Jericho, but they're about to have their first defeat in Ai. And the reason why they are defeated, there's several reasons why they're defeated. But one of the reasons, obviously we know the main reason was because Achan took of the accursed thing from Jericho and because he kept of, there was sin in the camp. But that's not the only reason they lost at Ai. In Joshua chapter 7 and verse 3, the Bible says this, And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, He sent the camp out to go spy out Ai and to kind of do some reconnaissance and figure out what, what, what does Ai look like. And when they returned to Joshua, they said unto him, notice what the Bible says, here's what they said, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up, and smite Ai, and make not all the people to labor hither, for they are but few. So there went up hither of the people about 3,000 men, and they fled before the men of Ai. I want you to notice that here in the story, we have the, the children of Israel going to fight against Ai, and they look at Ai, this little town, and they said, look, not everybody needs to go up for this battle. In fact, the advice was, let not all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and smite Ai. And the result was that 3,000 men died. Now at the end, and we're not going to look at it, but later on in the story, after Joshua deals with the sin of Achan, and they go back to Ai, you know what he does? He brings everybody. He brings the entire congregation. And here we see a picture that God wants everyone involved in the work of God. Look, when it comes to soul winning, you say, how many of the church members does God want out soul winning? He wants everyone. When it, when it comes to, to tithing, how many, how many members do you think the church needs to be tithing on a regular basis uh, for it to be a healthy church? Everyone. He wants everyone involved. He wants everyone. He, he, he didn't say, just give me the two of the best tribes. Give me three of the best tribes. No, he says, I want all the tribes. I want everyone involved in the giving. And look, don't get this idea that says, well, church life is not for me, and I don't have to uh, do much. I can just show up on Sunday, and I'm here on a Sunday night. Isn't that enough? Look, God wants everyone involved in the things of God. But it's not just everyone. It's everyone, and it's every day. On the first, there was a day... For every tribe, every day, every one was represented, and every one had a day. Go to Luke real quickly. Luke chapter 9. In the New Testament, you got Matthew, Mark, and then Luke. Luke chapter 9. Look, God wants you to be a Christian every day. God wants you to live for Him every day. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, the Bible says this, and He said to them all, If any man will come after me. That's discipleship. He's saying, if somebody's choosing to come after me, this is not just salvation, but this is, I'm going to follow, I'm going to become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to actively follow him. He says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. And here's the key word, daily. Take up his cross daily and follow me. You don't have to go to 1 Corinthians 15. But Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, he said, I die daily. 
You know, the Christian life is a life that should be lived daily. We don't just live the Christian life on Sunday. We live the Christian life on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday and on Friday, on Saturday. Why? Because God wants everyone, and he wants every day. He wants every day. You say, but we don't go to church on Monday. Yeah, but you can live for God on Monday. That's why you got to get up tomorrow morning, and the first thing you got to do is crack open your King James Bible and read it and, and feast from the words of God. Why? Because he wants you every day. Amen. We see the giving principle of quantity. Say, how much does God want? He wants all of it. He, God is selfish. And I don't mean that in a negative way. In fact, the Bible calls God that. God doesn't want to share you with anyone or anything. He wants all of you, and he wants you all of the time. Everyone and every day. So we see from this chapter the principle of quantity. Everyone, every day. He wants all of us all of the time. Go back to Numbers chapter 7. Let me give you the second principle from this chapter that I see. And again, I'm not going to go through the entire thing. A lot of it is very repetitive, but I want to highlight a couple of things for you, especially with this idea of giving, giving of ourselves. We saw, number one, the giving principle of quantity, everyone and every day. But I want you to notice, secondly tonight, and if you're taking notes, you can jot this down, not only do we see the giving principle of quantity, but I want you to notice that we also see the giving principle of quality. It's interesting because when you look at what they brought, not only do we have emphasized for us the quantity, everyone, every day. You say, why would God take the time to write 89 verses where he's just telling, it's the same thing. Why doesn't he just give us the first one and then he just makes a note that says, and everyone else did the same thing. There you go. Done in eight verses. Why has he got to give us 89 verses? I think God is trying to emphasize something that everyone was involved in this. And everyone had their day. It was everyone and it was every day. But there's a second thing that is highlighted, not only the principle of quantity, but also the principle of quality. Notice Numbers chapter 7 and verse 18. Let's just look at the second day. Notice what the Bible says. On the second day, Nathanael, the son of Zuar, prince of Issachar, did offer... He offered for his offering one silver charger, the weight whereof was 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary. And then I want you to notice what it says. It says, both of them full. Both of them full. So not only were they to bring one silver charger, what is that? It's a container made out of silver, They were also to bring one silver bowl. What is that? It's a container, a different type of container made out of silver. But it's interesting. I mean, you see how how descriptive God is? He says, I want you to bring me a silver charger. Okay, we can do that. I want you to bring me a silver bowl. All right, it's getting a little expensive, but we can do that. And then he says, but when you bring them, I want you to bring them full. I mean, do you see that? Verse 19, both of them full. Let me tell you something. When you bring something to God, never bring it empty. You know, the Bible says that you and I are vessels. The Bible says that we are vessels in the household of God. 
And he does not want us to bring ourselves, and he never wants us to bring. If we bring something to God, he wants it brought full. Notice, both of them full of fine flour mingled with, what's he want them full of? Flour mingled with oil for a meat offering. And I won't take the time to run the verses tonight. It's been a long week, and, and we've, we've spent a lot of time. But let me just say this. The oil throughout the Bible is a representation of the Holy Spirit. You know what God wants you full of? The Holy Spirit. He wants you to present yourself as a vessel full of the Spirit of God. So I want you to notice this word full. We see the quality. They were to bring it, but they were to bring it full. That's not it, though. They were to bring it full, and then I want you to notice they were to bring it fine. Look at, verse, uh, look, look at Numbers chapter 7. Just, just, for, just to do it, look at day 3. They all say the same thing, but we'll try to cover as much of it as we can. Numbers chapter 7, verse 24. On the third day, Eliab, the son of Helon, prince of the children of Zebulun, did offer. His offering was one silver charger. The weight whereof was 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels. After the shekel of the sanctuary, notice it again, both of them full, but it's not just that. It's not just both of them full. They were to be full, yes, but it's both of them full, notice, of fine flour. Fine flour speaks to the quality of the flour. He wanted the flour to be fine, not coarse. Fine, not harsh, not in clumps. He wanted fine flour. See, we see the second principle of giving here. We saw the first principle, the principle of quantity, and the two words associated to help us remember quantity was this, everyone and every day. But then we see the second principle of giving, and it is the principle of quality. Not just quantity. God is not just interested in quantity. He's also interested in quality. And here's two words to help us remember uh, the, the term quality. Full and fine. He wants it full and he wants it fine. He wants full. He, wants, he said, don't bring me an empty container. I want it full of fine flour mingled with oil. He said, when you bring it to me, I want you to bring it full and I want you to bring it fine. So let's apply that. Go to Mark real quickly. Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. See, when you and I present ourselves to the Lord as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service, we should not present ourselves unto the Lord empty. We should present ourselves unto the Lord full, full of the Holy Spirit. You say, why does God want us full of the Holy Spirit? Because when you and I are full of the Holy Spirit, there's room for nothing else. Amen. Remember, He wants all of you. He, want, he wants to take over your life. He wants to take control of your life. And look, let me, let me put it this way. The reverse is true. When we are not full of the Holy Spirit, it's because we're full of a lot of other stuff. And the truth is that we're often just full of ourselves and full of sin, and full of pride, and full of distractions. But God doesn't just want quantity. He doesn't just want everyone and every day. He does want everyone and every day, but He also wants quality. He wants it full, and He wants it fine. You say, how much does God want? I mean, how full is full? How much does He want? Mark 12, look at verse 30. There's what Jesus said. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God, notice it, with all thy heart. Some of my heart? No, all, all your heart. How much of my heart do you want, God? All of it. With all thy heart. 
Okay, is that it? No, no, no. With all thy heart, and then he says this, and with all thy soul. I can't even really tell the difference between my heart and my soul, God. He says, well, I can't, and I want your whole heart, and I want your, own soul, your whole soul. With all thy heart, and with all thy soul, what else? And with all thy mind. <laughs> he says, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. It's not done yet. And with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. You say, well, wait a minute, God. If you want all of my heart, and you want all of my soul, and you want all of my mind, and you want all of my strength, it sounds like you want it all. <laughs> and he says, yeah, I want it full. I want all of it. I don't want a partial gift. I want your heart. That speaks to your affections. I want your soul. That speaks to your inner man. So I want your mind. That speaks to what you focus on and the, the things that distract you. So I want your strength. That speaks to your physical ability. He says, I want it all. So we see the giving principle of quality, full. He wants, he wants you to give yourself to him fully, completely to God. With all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. But I want you to notice, not only does he want it full, he wants it fine. Go to Malachi. Malachi chapter 1, just real quickly. If you go backwards, you're there in Mark, you go past Matthew. And the last book of the Old Testament is the book of Malachi. Malachi chapter 1. I've showed you this before, but I'll, I'll show it to you again. Here we have Malachi the prophet, the Lord, speaking through Malachi the prophet about people bringing him sacrifices. And we see that God is very interested in the quality. He wants the quantity, but he also wants the quality. He wants the quantity, everyone, every day. But he also wants the quality. He wants it full, and he wants it fine. Notice what Malachi, here's how Malachi said it. Malachi chapter 1 and verse 7. Malachi 1 7. He says, ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar. Remember, one of the things that they were to do was to bring seven loaves of bread and, and bring them before the Lord. And Malachi is calling them out and says, you bring me the moldy bread. He said, you bring God the polluted bread. You bring the, you bring the, the, the stuff that they're going to they're gonna throw out. He says, you offer polluted bread upon mine altar. And you say, wherein have we polluted thee? In that you say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And then in verse 8 he says, and if you offer the blind for sacrifice, he said, you're supposed to bring me a sacrifice. You're supposed to bring me an animal. This is Old Testament. Animal sacrifice. They were supposed to bring the first and they were supposed to bring the best. But these people were getting smart and they said, well, let's not bring God the first. Let's not bring God the best. In fact, I, you know, this, this calf over here was born blind. It's probably going to die anyway. Let's just give that one to God. And if you offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? And then Malachi says this. He says, offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee? Or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts. See, God is very interested in not only getting you, but getting you at your best. He wants everyone and every day, and he wants that which is full and that which is fine. And we should give God our best. Amen. We should not give him our leftovers. 
We should, we should not have this attitude. Well, I'm going to do everything else. I'm going, to, I'm going to do everything I want to do. And if I have anything left over, if I have any time left over, if I have any time left over, then I'll go soul winning. I'll pay all my bills. And if I have any money left over, then I'll throw a dollar in the offering plate with a long note uh, explaining exactly how I want the 33 cents divided. No, no, no. God wants us to give ourselves completely to him, quantity, everyone, and every day, but he wants us to give him our best, full and fine, all your heart and all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Don't bring him the polluted bread. Don't bring him the lame and the sick. Give him your best. Go back to Numbers chapter 7. Let me give you the third principle. We saw the first principle for giving, the principle of quantity, everyone and everywhere. We saw the second principle for giving, the principle of quality, full and fine. Let me give you the third principle for giving. The third principle for giving is equality. We saw quantity, we saw quality, we saw equality. Say, why would you take the time to outline this passage? Just to show you it can be done. Equality. Everyone and everywhere, full and fine. Here's here's another phrase to help you remember equality. Now don't, just listen to me, all right? Diversity in uniformity. I know today people have turned the word diversity into perversity, but it's actually a, a biblical word. The Bible will use the word diverse. And I want you to notice that in this passage, we see diversity in uniformity. When we see the principle of the, the, the giving principle of equality, what we see is diversity in, we see diversity in uniformity. Now, I'm going to prove to you right now, if you've not been paying attention, I want you to just pay attention right now, because I'm going to prove to you in the next four or five minutes that I study for my sermons. Because I'm going to show you something that you probably did not notice as we read, and you probably have never noticed in your life. When you read this passage, 12 days, 12 tribes bringing these gifts, they all bring the exact same thing. Every tribe brings the exact same thing. But what's interesting is that God and the Holy Spirit of God kind of swap some things out just to see if you're paying attention. Let me show it to you. Look at day one, Numbers chapter 7, verse 12. And he that offered his offering... The first day was Nashon, the son of Amminadab, of the tribe of Judah. And his offering was one silver charger. The weight thereof was 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels. After the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them were full of fine flour, mingled with oil for a meat offering. I want you to notice verse 14. One spoon, right? I can't. I don't know why I'm trying to sing because my voice isn't good right now. One spoon of 10 shekels of gold full of incense. You see that? One spoon of ten shekels of gold full of incense. Look at day two, verse 18. On the second day, Nathanael, the son of Zuar, prince of Issachar, did offer. He offered his offering, one silver charger, the weight whereof was an hundred and thirty shekels, one silver bowl of seventy shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mingled with oil for a meat offering. But I want you to notice verse 20. One spoon of gold of ten shekels Full of incense. 
Now, you might be looking at it saying, I don't get it. It says the same thing. No, look at it again. Number 714. One spoon of ten shekels of gold. Look at verse 20. One spoon of gold of ten shekels. You say, what does that matter? Well, look, everything in the Bible is in there for a reason. And it's interesting to me that God would put in the Bible, in verse 14, he says, one spoon of ten shekels of gold, and you think, oh, God's just repeating the same thing over and over again. I don't have to read the whole chapter. I just read the first eight verses, and I'll just say I read it and mark it in my Bible reading. But he didn't say the exact same thing over and over again. In verse 20, in verse 14, he said, one spoon of ten shekels of gold. And in verse 20, he said, one spoon of gold of ten shekels. You say, I think you're making too big of a deal. Okay, look at verse 26. Day three, he says it even different. One golden spoon of ten shekels. <laughs> so in verse 14, he says, one spoon of ten shekels of gold. In verse 20, he says, one spoon of gold of ten shekels. And in verse 26, he says, one golden spoon of ten shekels. So why would God do that? Because he's trying to see if you're paying attention. One spoon of ten shekels of gold. One spoon of ten shekels of of gold. In verse 20, one spoon of gold of 10 shekels. Verse 26, one golden spoon of 10 shekels. It's the same thing. He's just saying it differently. This is not the only time he does it. Look at day four. Numbers chapter 7, verse 30. It's not just the spoons either. One golden spoon. It's, look, number 7, verse 30. And on the fourth day, Elizer, the son of Sheduer, prince of the children of Reuben, did offer. His offering was one silver charger of the weight of 130 shekels. Notice, one silver charger of the weight of 130 shekels. Look at day five, Numbers chapter 7, verse 36. On the fifth day, Shalomiel, the son of Serushadai, prince of the children of Simeon, did offer. His offering was, now in verse 31, it says, one silver charger of the weight of 130 shekels. In verse 37, it says, his offering was one silver charger, comma, the weight whereof was 130 shekels. In one verse, he says, one silver charger, no comma, the word of the weight of 130 shekels. In another one, he says, one silver charger, comma, the weight, not the word of, the weight whereof was 130 shekels. You say, what is the point of this? Here is the point. There can be diversity within uniformity. Amen. They're all saying the same thing. But some of them are saying it different ways. You say, what is, how does that apply to us? Well, we just had the Red Hot Preaching Conference. You know what we have among the new IP preachers? Diversity within uniformity. The uniformity is that we all believe the same major doctrines of the Bible. The diversity is that we can all have our different styles. The uniformity is that we can all say the exact same things. The diversity is that we can all say it a little different. If you want to say... Ten golden spoons, or if you'd rather say ten spoons of gold, it doesn't really make a difference as long as you're saying the same thing. When it comes to giving of ourselves, remember that there is the possibility of diversity within uniformity. As long as we all believe the same major doctrine. And by the way, this isn't just amongst preachers, even in a church. 
As long as we all agree on the same major doctrines of the Bible, the major doctrines of the Word of God, hey, we can have our different styles. We can have our different flavor. I don't know if you noticed, but a lot of the preachers in the Red we have different styles. That's, you say, is that, is that good or bad? It's great. Amen. I'm glad that not everyone is just exactly the same. We're all just these cookie cutters. Hey, you can have diversity within uniformity. And I think this is why God says, you say, but they're all saying the same thing. Right. But they're saying it in different ways. Right. They're saying the same things in different ways. You know, in the Christian life, people are going to have different styles. People are going to have different flavors. Different churches are going to feel different and have different styles and have different flavors. That's okay. As long as we're agreeing on the major things of the Bible, we can have diversity and uniformity. So we saw the three principles of giving. The principle of quantity, everyone and every day. The principle of quality, full and fine. The principle of equality, diversity in uniformity. Now we're going to skip a lot of this because, again, it's just very repetitive and they kind of say the same things over and over. But let me just bring you to the end of the chapter. Numbers chapter 7, verse 84. Numbers chapter 7 and verse 84. At the end, we get the accumulative totals. Numbers 784. This was the dedication of the altar in the day when it was anointed by the princes of Israel. Twelve chargers of silver, twelve silver bowls, twelve spoons of gold, each charger of silver weighing 130 shekels, each bowl 70. All the silver vessels weighed 2,400 shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary. The golden spoons were 12, full of incense, weighing 10 shekels apiece. After the shekel of the sanctuary, all the gold of the spoons was 120 shekels. All the oxen for the burnt offering were 12 bullocks, the rams 12, the lambs of the first year 12, with their meat offerings, and the kid of the goats for the sin offering. And all the oxen for the sacrifice of the peace offering were 20 and 4 bullocks, the rams 60, the he goats 60, the lambs of the first year 60. This was the dedication of the altar after that it was anointed. Those are the totals, verses 84 through 88. I want you to notice as we finish tonight the outcome. Verse 89. And when Moses was gone into the tabernacle, remember they just got done building the tabernacle, getting it all set up. He anointed it, got it ready. Then they had 12 days, 12 days of Christmas, 12 days of giving. Every tribe brought a, a, a sacrifice on each day, every one, every day, full and fine, all uniformly with a little bit of diversity. And when it was all done, the Bible says in verse 89, and when Moses was gone into the tabernacle of the congregation to speak with him, I think it's interesting because we're not really told who the him is, although I think it's obvious in the context. He was gone into the congregation to speak with him. Then he heard the voice of one speaking unto him from off the mercy seat that was upon the ark of the testimony from between the two cherubims, and he spake unto him. Next week when we continue, we're going to see God instructing Moses. But I think this is interesting. Don't just skip this last verse because they built a tabernacle as the physical house of God where they housed 
the ark of God, which pictured the presence of God, and, and then Moses walks in, and God begins to speak to him. And I'm sure Moses thought to himself, it worked! He's talking to me. He heard the voice of one speaking up to him from off the mercy seat that was upon the ark of the testimony from between the two cherubims. Notice the last part of the verse. And he spake unto him. And here's what we can learn from this. Is that when we choose to give all of ourselves to God and to give all of our time to God, when we choose to give him the best, full and fine, when we choose to conform ourselves to the uniformity of the Word of God, allowing for some diversity of styles, we prepare ourselves for God to speak to us, for God to direct us. We prepare ourselves to draw close to God because the Bible says that if we draw close to God, He will draw close to us. But notice, they had to bring. They had to bring 12 days worth of gifts before God began to speak because God wanted to see the quantity. Was it everyone, every day? He wanted to see the quality. Was it full and was it fine? And he wanted to see the equality. Was there diversity in the uniformity of the word of God? And he spake unto him. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this chapter. I know this is a long chapter and a chapter that people would probably often skip. But the Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And I'm sure we've just scratched the surface. I'm sure there's so much more we could learn from this chapter and from every chapter. And Lord, I pray that we would leave here tonight challenged that we would give ourselves to God, everyone, every day that we would give our best to God, full and fine, and that we would allow ourselves to have some diversity within the uniformity of the Word of God. We love you. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen. We're going to have Brother RJ come up and lead us in a final song. Just want to, of course,